Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Ecclesiastes chapter 10 from the World English Bible. Dead flies cause the oil of the perfumer to produce an evil odor. So does a little folly outweigh wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. Yes, also when the fool walks by the way, his understanding fails him, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the spirit of the ruler rises up against you, don't leave your place, for gentleness lays great offenses to rest. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, the sort of error which proceeds from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen servants on horses and princes walking like servants on the earth. He who digs a pit may fall into it, and whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever carves out stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits wood may be endangered by it. If the axe is blunt and one doesn't sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength, but skill brings success. If the snake bites before it is charmed, then is there no profit for the charmer's tongue. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but a fool is swallowed by his own lips. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. A fool also multiplies words. Man doesn't know what will be, and that which will be after him, who can tell him? The labor of fools wearies every one of them, for he doesn't know how to go to the city. Woe to you, land, when your king is a child, and your princes eat in the morning. Happy are you, land, when your king is the son of nobles, and your princes eat in due season, for strength and not for drunkenness. By slothfulness the roof sinks in, and through idleness of the hands the house leaks. A feast is made for laughter, and wine makes the life glad, and money is the answer for all things. Don't curse the king, no, not in your thoughts, and don't curse the rich in your bedroom. For a bird of the sky may carry your voice, and that which has wings may tell the matter. That is the end of chapter 10. Verse 1 is continuing the theme from chapter 9, verse 18, where one sinner destroys much good. Using the comparison of probably costly, beautiful-smelling perfume to putrefied dead flies. You have to catch that the flies are dead and rotting in the container of perfume, and they're not just flitting around, irritating you. We here have had to set up fly traps this year, and I have smelled dead flies. It is repulsive. Although this here is comparing the flies to one person, one sinner, it is a good time to remember that we are all sinners who have the opportunity to respond to the gospel that imputes us with Jesus Christ's righteousness if we believe in him. Then remember James 2.10 that says, whoever stumbles in one point of the law is guilty of it all, which reinforces not only that we are all sinners, 
but that one sin spoils all because it is that corrupting. We see the counterpoint to this in John 14, 15 and 1 John 5, 3, where Jesus says in John, if we love him, we will keep his commands, which is his ways of truth and righteousness and goodness. And then also in 1 John 5, 3, where John himself repeats this. I'm going to link to an article on BibleAsk.org called, Why Does the Bible Say If We Break One Commandment, We Are Guilty of All? It's a good discussion of that. Back to Ecclesiastes 10, this section, all of this here drives home the point that it doesn't take much folly to undo a lot of good. The rest of the section designated chapter 10 is full of idioms and allusions. I read through David Gusick's commentary and Matthew Henry's commentary and also Clark's commentary, which is on studylight.org. But the commentary that I found the most useful was the one I found on netbible.org, which is for the New English Translation Bible that I've mentioned a couple of times. For example, they translate verse 2 as, A wise person's good sense protects him, and then have a note explaining that the um, idea of a wise man's heart in his right hand is a Hebrew idiom for a place of protection. Another example of where they explain things well is verse 4, where it talks about in both the World English Bible and the New King James Bible, talks about the spirit of the ruler. Now, when it goes on to say, it right when it rises up against you, it gives a pretty good understanding of the scenario being described. But the New English Translation Bible translates it as the anger of the ruler. And this reminded me that one of the Chinese words for anger is a combination of life or spirit. It can mean either of those things and steam or gas. So this picture of anger is cross-cultural, the idea of the spirit being the place of anger. Not that the spirit is always angry, but when it rises up, that's where the anger comes from. Then this is followed by the advice, don't leave your place, and it's easily taken as don't stomp off in offense. All the commentaries took it a step further to include the idea of a position or post, presumably in the presence of the king. Verses 6 through 7 about seeing foolish people in charge is something I'm sure we can all relate to. The overtones of servants and princes are hard, I think for us used to equality of value, at least in principle. I think the idea is that too often those without any qualifications of wisdom, experience, or knowledge take positions they shouldn't. Verses 8 through 11 seem to suggest that wisdom is needed even in the most mundane tasks, let alone ruling a kingdom. Whereupon the preacher goes right to saying a fool is exposed and harmed by his own words, usually way too many of them. Then verse 14 in the second sentence of that verse builds on the emptiness of a fool's words, implying that a fool says things they can't know. And on top of that, fools have no stamina for true labor. Interesting that he goes right from there to talking about children as rulers, Children are cute when their foolishness is part of learning and doesn't harm anyone, but anyone who has had children knows the limits of a child being in charge of others. And then again, the wording of nobles is probably meant in terms of character and experience, which is backed up by the preacher going on to talk about rulers or princes doing things with temperance and at the right time. And if things aren't taken care of, they deteriorate so as to result in even more damage. 
Because of the tone of the section, the feasting and wine come across as excessive and possibly avoiding responsibility, especially when, quote, they think money will take care of everything, as a note in the New English translation says. It adds, they think. But even with that, the preacher cautions against even cursing the king. I looked up curse because I wanted to have a better understanding of that word in this context. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says that different Hebrew words are translated to the English word curse, and at sometimes it's considered to possess an inherent power, rather like praying to God to cause harm. But also, a violation of the law puts a person under curse or the need for penalty. But there's also the example of Proverbs 26, 2, that talks about a curse that can't hurt you. But a ruler is going to likely act against anyone who gives a sign of questioning or weakening his authority, even if it's just a rumor that a little bird told him. Because, as Jesus says in Matthew 20, 25, That is what rulers of the world would do, but it should not be so among Christians. It was in the treating of these last verses that I disagreed strongly with the representation in Clark's commentary because they took the position that God always favors the ruler and rats out those who are trying any treachery or trying to overthrow a certain ruler. Considering what Jesus said that was recorded in Matthew 20 there, plus the warnings that God gave the Israelites about having a king, as well as all of the stories about despotic wickedness of nearly every ruler, as well as totally missing that Satan is the ruler of the world, which is verified in Daniel when it talks about the princes of the different principalities, and also the fact that Satan offered the kingdoms of the world to Jesus in the temptation. The attitude in Clark's commentary at least seems lopsided. But it's also interesting to note that this idea of the rulers finding out what is going on in the most private places in your home is not a new one. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 